Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to Brewers Talk, the Burton Albion podcast uh, here from uh, from the Burton Man, myself, Joshua Murray uh, and Richard Cusack. We've been uh, away for a couple of weeks, technical problems uh, hindered us last time. Uh, but we're we're back and uh, and hopefully well we won't have the same issues this time. Uh, Rich, back looking ahead. Uh, well, looking ahead towards this week and, and the couple yep. of games that have just been and gone. Is ever uh, a busy week, uh, a busy week in the world of Burton Albion. Good, good, good to be uh, back in the saddle, Josh. <laughs> words out there. It's been a, a bit of a while since we've done this, but um, yeah, it has been uh, very sort of fluctuated, hasn't it? The results up and down. A lot of a lot of emotions flying around, especially after. After Tuesday night's four uh, 0 defeat to Aston Villa, especially after coming off a, off a uh, you know a three match unbeaten run, where they're putting some good defensive performances to, to sort of witness a defensive display like that, just as you thought that after the Leeds game that they'd sort of tightened up a little bit was a bit of a shock to the system, I think, to a lot of Brewers fans. Yeah, potentially we're looking at uh, September sort of summing up what the Championship is and uh, certainly what it can be for Burton Albion here, there, and everywhere. Really, as you say. Started off with that uh, that defeat at Leeds has been a three game unbeaten run in there a trip to Man United in the Carabao Cup as well and then uh, and just when there was some real momentum it seemed behind the Brewers that uh, momentum was stopped uh, very quickly in its tracks by Aston Villa on Tuesday night that's the game we'll, we'll kick off with that on Brewers talk this week uh, as Rich mentioned a four 0 defeat for the Brewers the damage really done in the first half goals from Keenan Davies Albert Adoma and Robert Snodgrass putting the Villains three 0 up. Um, and they were pretty composed from there on in to see the game out and Josh uh, Onoma came off the bench to, to get the fourth late on um, Rich I don't think or certainly I know in my post-match analysis I was looking at it, it wasn't in the same vein as the Leeds game Leeds they no. were played, outplayed from minute one to minute 90 this was different this was Burton came out of the blocks well but because of how good Villa's defence were of course marshalled by, by James Chester and John Terry um they couldn't really get an early breakthrough, which they'd have wanted, and then two two goals in three minutes, really thirteen and sixteen minutes. From then on in, Villa Villa was sort of too good to to let that lead slip. Well, of course, yeah, but their sort of defensive quality showed. You can't forget they've got the likes of John Terry, James Chester, Glenn Wheeler in midfield. You're always going to do well to sort of break down a team like that. But um, you know, Burton. How many times have you said to me that if they get the first goal, yeah, teams are on the back foot straight away. And they could have done. They, they had a couple of chances early on. They had a, a ball into Sean Scannell. He held it up. He laid it off to John Brayford. Mm. Sort of snatched at his effort. They came forward, Burton, the first five ten minutes. But as we saw, you know, against Manchester United, Burton came forward again. There, they started yeah, off yeah. brightly, but the early goal just killed them off. And the early goal killed them off again on Tuesday night. You know, Keenan Davis had the beating of Jay Buxton. We, we've looked at the replays. Um, the Brewers couldn't get back in after Cottager sort of drew, um, I think it was McFadden and Brayford out to their positions. Sprays it wide to uh, El Mohamedy, he puts the cross in, and Bywater can't do anything about that. It's too close. It's Davis is too close to him, and it's a free header, and it's it's as simple as you like, isn't it? Mm. And from then on, Villa never looked back, did they? Yeah, I mean, Nigel, Nigel Clough said, you know, he mentioned it in the week, sort of fitting time and really, although not, not necessarily for the Brewers, about that. Sort of the stats, and we've not got the exact number, but of, of how good Burton are once they take the lead. And he, he referenced, you know, not just in the championship, but going back three, four, five seasons in League Two and League One as well. 
you back this Burton team and, and any Burton team really if they can take a lead especially at the Pirelli they're so sort of determined and organised and, and, and full of character that it's so difficult to break them down I mean you only need to look back the, the Saturday before okay it's Fulham you know that, that game okay they didn't lead for the whole game they went 1-0 up Fulham pegged them back to Oliver Norwood but it it almost just feels the belief around the Pirelli is there once the Brewers get into a lead whether they're pegged back or not um, I believe I could be wrong but I, I don't think they've been beaten in the championship after taking the lead um, it felt like they might do against Villa for 5-10 minutes yeah. but, but as you say you know, it almost feels equally on the flip side as, as good as they are when they take the lead. They're not always comfortable chasing games because, you know, as we saw with Villa, Villa, especially that second goal, as you say, when it went in and they're in complete control, teams can then sit and hit Burton on the counter. You said to me that sort of Villa started to drop deep. There was no need for them to push forward. Yeah. There was no space for Sean Scandal and Marvin Solal to exploit him behind. So therefore, straight away, Burton on the back foot. And I think Saturday's match against Wolves is going to be a, a tricky one because am I right in saying that two teams that Burton haven't beaten at home this season? Well, obviously Cardiff. Besides that, Wednesday and Villa they beat at home last season. Wednesday, uh, yeah, Car- when- Car- Villa they drew with, but yeah, Cardiff, Cardiff and Sheffield Wednesday they both beat last season. You were asking the question last night, uh, well Tuesday night, sorry, so Wednesday today. Do you think that these teams have wisened up a little bit to their Premier Now I think we'll find out when Wolves come to town. Obviously, another team that lost. Um, at home, Burton, well, Burton beat him at home last season. Um, it makes you wonder now if Burton are sort of um, if they're going to have have lost their sort of edge, which is the sort of intimate surroundings of a Pirelli Stadium. It makes you wonder if that's sort of going to be something that could hinder them this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was there was definitely talk of that at the start or before the season even began, whether sides would have learnt the lesson at the Pirelli. But you only need to look at Birmingham, who were beaten here again. Fulham, who were brilliant here last season, where they were beaten, and Chef Wednesday, obviously, you know, Burton came from behind to draw that one. So, I, I still think sides don't like coming here. I think even teams like you know Villa, Villa yeah. they they played brilliantly last night, but Steve Bruce was would, Steve Bruce, should I say, was still full of compliments. I think no side is going to enjoy coming here. Um, I think part of it, and, and Nigel Clough mentioned it last night. You know, I asked him about the fact that obviously they've, they've suffered some pretty heavy defeats so far. That was one thing they sort of avoided last season. That they didn't have too many heavy defeats. This season they've lost four 0 to Villa, five 0 to Leeds, four one to Hull. Although a little bit of a sort of a caveat on that one, obviously, is the fact that they were down to ten men for the whole of the second half. And Clough said to an extent, it's just down to the fact that teams are getting stronger. I mean, Leeds are, you know, Leeds were a good side last season, yeah. but they've strengthened. They probably Villa. showed you how good Cardiff were. Yeah, they exactly. beat them 3-1 on Tuesday yeah. night. You know, exactly. Villa um, looking very, very good uh, again. You know, much improved from from when they came here, even you know in April, and and really the ball's rolling for them now, momentum building. So I think that's partly it. They they just come, and, and I was going to get onto that question. Uh, you know, was Tuesday night just another example of? There are going to be days this season where Burton Albion come up a very against a very very good Championship side, a side you know with a very expensive squad. Sometimes you do just have to have to hold your hands up as Burton and say, "Yeah, okay, we've been we've been well beaten." Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you are going to get those teams. You know, like you say, that the money that Villa have spent, that the talent they have on the pitch there, Connor Hurrahan, Jonathan Codiger, John Terry. Hmm. I can't even believe I'm saying those, those words and those sort of names in the same sentence. But I also think that. Leeds sort of laid down a blueprint as to how to beat Burton. They were playing along the lines, they were putting the ball out wide, getting, you know, trying to play sort of along the line, the back line. So I think Villa didn't put too many long balls in last night. Mm. They sort of went wide, they tried to go through. Um, obviously, Adonis goal came, all came from a defence splitting pass. Brayford was, was absolutely nowhere near him. Um, I think if you're going to pump long balls into the box, McFadden, Turner, Buxton, they'll head them away all day, like they did against QPR, like they did against Norwich. Mm. I think if you're going to play 
against Burton, you're going to expose Burton, you have to go sort of through, you can't go over the top, yeah. you have to sort of go through or go wide. I think that probably goes back as well, yeah, to what we said earlier about getting that first goal. If Burton can get the first goal, that panics teams and then teams out of desperation and frustration, whatever, go more direct and, and because they have to chase the like game. Like QPR did on like Saturday. QPR did. Exactly okay, like that, QPR did. That was 0-0 did. And, and you know, we'll get onto that game in a minute very quickly. But, you know, yeah, they, whilst it was still 0-0, they were chasing to, to try and take the lead so they went direct. Once a team takes the lead and is in control of a game, they don't have to go direct. They're, they're happy to, to maintain position for long spells and then wait for, for, a, the yeah, wait for a gap or wait for the counter. And I think, Again, as you say, you know, Leeds, Leeds showed that if you can get pace in behind this Burton defence, that's when they're more exposed. If you play in front of them, you know, the likes of Ben Turner, Carl McFadden, Jake Buxton, John Brayford, Stephen Warner, even the likes of Tom Naylor and Tom Flanagan on the bench at the moment, they'll they'll happily take that all day long. Um, and, you know, you don't want to keep harping on about the importance of the first goal, but but that's just another thing, I think, which plays into that narrative, that if the Brewers can take control and get that early goal and say, right, you come on to us teams... Try and try and sort of, yeah. you know, almost with frustration get through us. They'll do that all day long. If they fall behind though, and then teams have a little bit more license to attack and play, that's when they can start finding finding the gaps, and, and that's what the likes of Leeds and Villa have done. I also think it, you have to look at the goals that were scored last night. I mean, there were a couple. I mean, every every goal counts. You know, Burton weren't at the races last night. We know that. But when you look at when Albert Adoma's shot, he, he miss hits it from his right foot. It hits his yeah. left foot and goes in. Bywater stood there thinking. It ain't going to be is, your day, is it? Yeah, exactly. That's when you sort of. That is when you know, and then I think it looked like Snodgrass's um, shot had taken a deflection. Maybe it didn't. Perhaps Bywater was just unsighted. It, it certainly looked like that way on the replay. But um, I think Nigel Clough said after the match, he said his team came into half at half time shell shocked. Yeah. You know, it was a bit of a sucker punch. Davis Davis heading in, and then um, Adoma slotting home. That's on the 16th minute. Just three um, three minutes after Davis opened the scoring. So I mean, I, 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 it didn't feel. In a way, it felt like a four 0 I mean, Sean, we spoke to Sean Scanlon afterwards, and he said, you know, the numbers don't lie. They've had five shots on target, but they put four of them away. You know, for that reason alone, they deserve their, to win. Their, their other shot on target was, you know, that yeah, produced yeah. a save from Bywater, yeah, a good yeah, save, very good only save. just minutes into the first half. So they've had, you know, in one way, the numbers don't lie, but also, again, it didn't feel like the Leeds game. Burton had plenty of territory, plenty of possession. The difference here. You know, to to maybe what it had been if they could have got a goal or two back was every ball into the box was cleared by Terry or Chester. They read the game so well. They didn't allow Burton to settle and have lots of touches in and around the 18-yard box. So, you know, even at 2 or 3-0, if you can grab a goal right at the start of the second half, you put the cat amongst the pigeons. That didn't really look like happening. Not because Burton were playing too badly. I mean, there there was some poor play. You know, some sloppy passes out on the full, some missed challenges, things like that. But once again, it was was more down to, to Villa not allowing... Um, Burton to, to settle one I suppose talking point after the game as much as the result and everything else um, a couple of, uh, of injuries um, defenders John Brayford and, and Ben Turner both came off with hamstring strains John Brayford was actually down sort of on his haunches signalling to the bench to come off as the third goal was scored um, uh, before before half time Turner went off you know minutes into the second half um, Nigel Clough suggesting they'll both be missing on, on Saturday I mean that is obviously both of them you know, big losses. They're, yeah, they're both hugely influential yeah. in the back line. I suppose the one positive you'd say, Rich, is hopefully if injuries can ever come at a good time, get them just before the international break. You only miss one game and you hope that with a, then a two-week break you, you can be back fighting fit for October. Like you say, if there's ever a good time to get an injury, it is right before the international break. But I think also, when you've got the strength and depth Burton have now, they have Tom Flanagan and Tom Naylor, who, don't get me wrong, they'll be desperate to yeah, get yeah. games under their belt. Tom Naylor looked all right. And Flanagan had Marcel, you know, 
it really contained Martial against United. Yeah. Um, put in a couple of crunching tackles to deny him, put him off when he nearly scored in front of a strep for them, uh, Martial. But um, I think those sort of, when you've got lads in there who are desperate to play, they've got a point to prove now. So it, it's never ideal to lose some of your best players. But when you've got lads who can step up, who've got experience, got know-how, Flanagan played a whole season, more yeah, or less, yeah. last season and helped, obviously we all know what happened at the end of last season when he helped more the team survived in the Championship. Um, you've got good players coming in. Mm. And what I've said before but it might be a bit different now Tom Naylor might give a little bit of an extra bit of a dimension to that defence someone to bring the ball out and help Luke Murphy and um, Jamie Allen set an attack on their ways as opposed to just simply try Murphy and Allen looking at, looking for the knockdowns yeah yeah, yeah I mean, the ball's heading out of the box you know you've got to, in a way Flanagan and Naylor deserve their opportunities but as you said they were brilliant against United uh, and, and elsewhere really maybe not the ideal circumstances, obviously, both Brayford and, and Turner. I think we looked at some numbers the other day. That their sort of their win ratios in and out, or Burton's win ratios with or without that pair, staggering. Something like one in three games they win. With, yeah, with, I think with it's both Turner's Turner and is Brayford like thirty-eight percent, thirty-seven, thirty-eight percent, or something like that. You know, which is which says the impact they make. Um, but again, you know, in, injuries come. It's why you need a, a deep squad, which the Brewers have this season. Um, as we say, sort of time will tell whether whether. Those injuries are worse than they first looked. Um, Nigel Club suggested that you know, straight after the game, as we said, there are hamstring strains, um, so they likely to both be missing on Saturday. Um, Matt Palmer, uh, Nigel Club also mentioned he's still sort of got a sore foot, so um, didn't really give an update or an insight onto whether he'd be available for, for Saturday. Um, said he'd you know, hope to sort of get him in the squad if he could. Um, I see Joseph we'll, we'll see about that. This well. is it, there's other options. Obviously, Matty Lund's sort of still yet to come back into the squad as, as well. Um, and the only other player who definitely won't be playing on Saturday is, is Joe Mason. Obviously, his parent club is Wolves, so he won't uh, won't play against them. Um, we'll move on to the Wolves game, sort of looking at that in a minute. Just very quickly, though, um, giving up the podcast in a while, we'll, we'll flip back to Saturday um, and an ill-draw draw at QPR, obviously, in hindsight now with, with, the, with the way the game went on Tuesday night, Rich. You know, maybe you look at QPR a little bit more and think, oh, if Burton had, had capitalised on the first half dominance, maybe you know three points see, would have been valuable. See, it's quite strange to be sat here thinking that a pretty solid nil-nil, another back-to-back clean sheet away from home, and you sat here thinking actually we could really have done with three points here. That's how sort of <laughs> that's how strange it feels after after watching last night's game. But I mean, don't get me wrong. In my, in my opinion, Burton had a better of a chances. Yeah, yeah. Sean Scannell's early sort of post-hitting effort um, after what about 12, 13 minutes or something. Um, Burton again it's starting to become a bit of a common theme now that they raced out of the blocks um, against QPR QPR to be quite frank we couldn't live with them mm. I mean I think it was the first five or ten minutes where I mean you tweeted out it was a corner corner to Burton counter attack corner to QPR counter attack but it was back and forward I mean the, the general consensus um, from national media seemed to be after the game and it was a ball draw but for me it was anything but Mm, yeah, first well, first off, especially as you say, you know, it was really open, and I think that was Nigel Clough's frustration. You know, he said any point on the road is a good one, um, and back to back away clean sheets with with Norwich beforehand would, you know, they'd, they'd take that all day long. But as he said, you, especially away from home, you really have to take your chances when they come because you won't get have, any of them. Yeah, yeah you won't Scannell get any of them. had that great chance. You know, obviously hit the post and could have gone anywhere. They had a couple of other good opportunities, similar against Norwich. You know, the one where Joe Mason goes through, as he said. Teams like Norwich and QPR, they'll go off at half-time, they'll have team talks, and they will always be better. You know, they were, QPR especially were poor, they were sloppy in the first half at Loftus Road on Saturday. But they'd have responded, In Holloway made a couple of changes, which changed the dynamic of the game. They went a lot more direct, which meant bypassing the midfield, where Burton had been sort of bossing the, bossing the battle there. 
and that sort of took the game a little bit away from 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 Burton and Burton they couldn't, couldn't the impose themselves. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they couldn't they couldn't get on the ball the second half. And to be honest, I mean, yeah, Nigel Clough sort of ruins and his chances, but in the end, it was actually a pretty good point for Burton. Yeah. despite the fact that they missed that chance, they probably should have. On the talking about chances, they probably should have won. But looking looking back, they were under the cosh a bit second half, and obviously Stephen Bywater and Jay Buxton made one of the. Um, Championship team of the week over the yeah, weekend, yeah. And, and deservedly so. Uh, Buxton, um, Buxton was the hero on Saturday, and he seemed to be a little bit maligned on Tuesday night. So I don't think it's it's important not to read too much into individual performances, but go on based on form. And Buxton has been one of one of the, one of the better players so far this campaign for me. Yeah, and again, Nigel Clough sort of pointed that out, didn't he? How good he was on. He basically said as good as he was on Saturday was as poor as he was against Villa, and. Um, you know, not suggest. I think the game was gone anyway. It's more in the second half. There were a few sort of you know mishit passes and, and things like that, which didn't go Buxton's way. But um, it, it's one of those things. But yeah, it was uh, a good point. I think overall against QPR at the weekend, as you, as you say, I think results always look slightly different in the in the you know sort of with hindsight and when other results have come in, you know, in, in sort of the wake. But uh, yeah, I think I think to sort of keep that away points tally ticking over as well, which proved so important in the back end of last season. Um, as it is now, they've obviously had back-to-back home games, or Villa on Tuesday and now Wolves on on Saturday before heading into the next international break. It goes without saying again, the the form at the Premier this season is going to be crucial once again. Tuesday's game was only their first; it was their first defeat on home soil since the opening day, so by no means it's taken a massive hit. But um, you know they're going to feel they want something out of this game. On you know, Clough said he's targeting getting to double figures ahead of the international break. A point would do that. They're on nine points from ten games at the moment. But it ain't going to be an easy task because this Wolves side look as if they'll be there or thereabouts this season. They really do, but they have been excellent so far this season, haven't they? I think they're on 20 points, sort of level with Leeds, third place. Cardiff, obviously, after their win on Tuesday night, are top with 23. Yeah. So Wolves have really really flown out of the boxes, blocks this season. And what else would you expect with a lad from Atletico Madrid up front and someone playing in midfield who's captain Porto at Champions League level? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, I mean, they've... they've they spent plenty, but then you know, as I was speaking to somebody from a Wolves podcast and, and said, "Yeah, that's fair enough, but you at least have to spend the money in the right way." And at the moment, it looks as if they have done that in the right way, and and they've brought the right quality of players in who, who are adapting very quickly to the championship. Um, so that will be uh, that will be the game this this Saturday, and uh, famous well, I say famously one of many memorable games at the Premier last season that Burton sort of nicked a, a 94th minute winner against Wolves. Corley Woodrow was who popped up. To score the winner, then that was a Wolves side who were dipping really, and 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 at the time, you know, people were talking about the maybe as might be in the relegation talk come April May, you know, a few months on, and and it's talking about looking at them at the other end of the table. I mean, but have already played some big teams at the Premier this season. Obviously, they got that brilliant result against Fulham, good result against Chef Wednesday as well. Obviously, beat Birmingham you know, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So they're not they're not doing t- they're not doing too badly at home so far this season. I mean, we've said it how many times have we said they should have probably drawn against Cardiff as mm. well. So. But I mean, Wolves will be Wolves will be a test on Saturday. Yeah. They'll be a test. I'm not. The fact that they lost last season will play into their hands. I think mm. they'll sort of say the same thing. Like Clough said on Monday, he said Villa will be saying, "Look, we don't want to go there and draw again. We don't want to go there and drop points. We want to go there and get a result." So perhaps Wolves might look at it and think, "Yeah, we really should be beating these sides. We beat, we lost to them last season, so let's go let's go and avenge that." And yeah, and what they're doing as well, which which they potentially didn't do last season, they look as if, 
you know, you talk about all the, the, the players, the big name players and, and big money they've spent, but actually what, what they seem to be doing is finding a way to grind out wins. I mean, look at the weekend. I mean, we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. They play tonight against Sheffield United, so we don't know how that game's going to go. But on Saturday, I think they took a 1-0 lead late on against Barnsley. Then Barnsley equalised in injury time, but Wolves still had the character to go up the other end and, yeah. and grab a last gas winner. And that's the sort of character and resolve, which I think a lot of teams need when they come into the Pirelli because it's as much about your attitude when you come to play Burton. That tends Pirelli to be the hallmark of sides who are going in for Pirelli doesn't see yeah. sides who can just conjure up a winner out of absolutely nothing. Um, it's going to be really, it really is going to be interesting this weekend because you get a lot of these players who sort of, you know, Ruben Neves. Take Ruben Neves for example, championship record signing, sixteen million pounds or, or something daft like that. He did an interview. I'm not sure which uh, media outlet it was, but in an interview where he sort of, he sounded like he really took to the championship now, and he, he sounds like he's not phased at all. And I, I would expect nothing less from someone who's tipped to be one of the one of Europe's biggest sort of hottest talents around. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing him play. Actually, mm. again, like you say, it'll be a a pretty solid test for for Burton, but they'll uh, I'm sure they'll be they'll be looking forward to it. And, and as Sean Scanner was was saying last night after the Villa game, the good thing with the Championship is there is always a chance to bounce back. There's always a game around the corner, um, you know. So if you've had a, a put in a poor performance, there's a chance for you there to, to bounce straight back. And that's what they'll they'll look to do against Wolves. Um, that will obviously then take us into the next international break and uh, and into October. Rich, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the fixture list and and how Burton have, have, have had a tough fixture list so far this season. They've had a really, really tough sort of opening 10 or 11 games to the season. You look at the games they've got in between the, the upcoming international break and the third international break at the, at the start of November. They've got Bristol City, Nottingham Forest, Ipswich, Barnsley and Millwall. Those that, there's that sort of five games after the next international break. So once Wolves is out of the way, you know, do they start getting towards you know fixtures or, or a run of fixtures where you say, right, they have to target more points, or do you look and say, well, Bristol are in fine form, Forest have picked up some good wins, Ipswich playing brilliantly, you know, Barnsley and Millwall as, as well doing okay, and, and does that then make you realise again, actually, there's no easy months, no easy fixtures in the league? I think you automatically look at it and you look at see, you, just, you see the names, don't you? You see Bristol, Ipswich, you think, oh, we should be beating these sides, they're not going to be in the top six, all the rest of it. I think when you've when you played the likes of Hull, Borough, Chef, Wednesday, Aston Villa, um, Wolves, and the like, you look at these teams, but then you look at it and you think, like, say, Bristol are, Bristol are firing. Um, going to the City Grounds never, never going to be an easy proposition. Um, Ipswich, they're doing well. Millwall, you say they have, they've done really well at the Den so far yeah, this season. Yeah. So, and then you've got Sheffield United at home. They're flying. Mm. So, I mean, that, that that Brentford game looks crucial away on the 21st of November. Yeah. That, Mind you, you say that. I mean, I suppose there's about another eight games in, bet- there are, in between but, but there. The reason why I do say that is because I think if they're still down there, then they're going to be down there all season, yeah. in my opinion. So that's why I think it could be crucial because if you've got a team that's sort of between now and then, now and, I mean, it's nearly two months, if they're still languishing down there, they're going to be a candidate for the drop. And that automatically, that suddenly becomes a big game. As does Sunderland the week after, who are dropping like a stone at the moment. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? So, we'll see. It'll be interesting, uh, be interesting sort of after the Wolves game to see where the table is. You think often you, you tend to judge the table after about 15 games. So, that'll be probably judging it just before the next international breakout after the one coming up. And, Potentially, then, as you say, we'll have a bit more of an insight into into sort of who the Brewers will be wanting to to finish above uh, come May. But first things first, Wolves on Saturday, and and we'll be there as ever at the Prelly Stadium covering it all. We'll be back with Brewers talk next week, as we say it's an international break, so we'll look back on the Wolves game and we'll we'll sort of I suppose. 
give a bit of an assessment of exactly where the Brewers are at um, two months into their second championship season. Uh, for now, though, that is it from myself, Josh Murray, and Rich Cusack. We'll see you at the Premier on Saturday. See you on Saturday.